I would have never imagined that this is where I would be in, in you know, five years from now. I, would have, I could have never imagined that this is what I would, what I would be doing. But um, yeah, you just take that one step at a time forwards, learn, make, repeat, and uh, crazy things can happen. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and I'm coming to you again in my quarantined home studio. Today's guest is Maddie Hapoya, who is a full-time YouTuber and filmmaker based out of Toronto, Canada, who joined us via the internet from his home studio. Maddie has built a following of over 865,000 subscribers on YouTube at the time of this recording and has garnered millions and millions of views. Coming from a freelance cinematographer background, Maddie teaches people how to make a career out of filmmaking and photography. With gear reviews, tutorials, cinematic vlogs, and documentary films, Maddie's content is sure to entertain and educate, and it's obvious why he has grown so much in the last three years. Before we get to my conversation with Maddie, I would like to remind you all to please subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcast and leave a review if you haven't already. All right, without any further ado, let's listen in on my conversation with Maddie. All right, so we're here with the one, the only, Maddie Hapoya. How you doing, man? Good. Uh, have you ever tried to look up my name on Google? <laughs> yeah. I'm almost the one and only, but if you look it up on Google, I'm not the only. <laughs> In fact, the very first result, Finnish serial killer. That's right. Um, that is... <laughs> Your website does pop up first uh, in Google search, so good job on the SEO on that. But then yep. the second link down is a Wikipedia link talking about a Finnish serial killer, which we must clarify is not you. It is not the same person. <laughs> you have not murdered anyone. Is that correct? That, that is correct. That is correct. Put it on the record. <laughs> the worst part is that at one point, it, if you looked up Mattiapoya, it would show a picture of me and below it say finished serial killer. <laughs> yes, that's right. I remember that actually. It was, I remember you tweeting about that. It was oh, terrible. That's, so that's like my life mission now to bury that search result. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it sounds like this is a reputable serial killer. So he's going to probably always live on <laughs> in the history books. But I think he's I think he's Finland's like worst serial killer. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> I wow. think so. Or at least one of the worst. Oh, geez. Did your parents know that when they named you? <laughs> I don't think so. Or you not. They weren't paying attention, at least. So how are you doing over there, man? And uh, what's what's going on over there right now? Uh, I mean, I'm surviving. I think I'm doing as good as you can. We're not on, like, full lockdown yet, but, like, pretty much everything is closed down except for essential services. Uh, people are supposed to be staying inside. So we've just been for little... I think this is the third... Four, we just started the fourth week. Of staying inside. I've only been at the grocery store a couple times and then I, I go for runs and walks with my son, but like we stay away from everybody. That's 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 been the life for three weeks now. Yeah, totally. Same here. I mean in California it's probably a little bit more locked down than what you guys are dealing with, but um man, it's it's a crazy time. And I mean with that in mind, let's uh mention the way that you're recording your audio, can you explain your audio setup right now? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like the most high quality ever. I mean, it's not terrible. It's that's how I would normally record my vlogs. It's just literally my EOS R with a Rode uh, VideoMic Pro uh, Plus on there. That's it. <laughs> this is definitely the first podcast interview that we've done on this show recorded on... Uh, on a on-camera mic so that's great if you guys like the sound of it maybe we'll switch over maybe this is a new trend maybe you're starting <laughs> yeah, a new trend 
Hopefully it doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. I'll just throw some EQ on it and it'll be great. Oh yeah, F fix it in a post. Dude, well, thank you so much for being on the show, for being a part of uh, the Golden Hour podcast. Uh, you've worked with Polar Pro um, over the years and been a, a valuable member of the, the um, influencer team that we have at Polar Pro. Um, you're a big part of the, the Peter McKinnon launch with the VND um, and yep. all that kind of stuff. So we're happy to have you on the show, man. Um, I wish it was under different circumstances and we could, you know, do this in person, but, um, with what's going on, obviously this is the best we can do, but, um, yeah. What, what better way to spend the time? Yeah, exactly. It, it's kind of interesting. Like how have you been doing? I, I know the vlogs that you've been doing have, I'm sure have been a good way to keep you busy, right? Yeah. I, like I have not felt boredom once yet just because I've, I've literally been I've been kind of daily vlogging but then taking weekends off just because I did daily vlogging as an experiment last summer I'm just fascinated by daily vlogging it's probably one of the one of the big things that got me into YouTube in the first place and I realized that I so I think I think I did like like a month or so uh straight every single day posting a video and you really quickly realize how a it's not healthy you need a break you need a day off um, and B, it starts to take over your whole like mind, like the, your thought world, because you're always thinking of like, oh, what's what? What am I going to do today? What am I going to do tomorrow? Oh, I got to finish this edit. Like, how am I going like, to make this work? We got to travel here. So like everything kind of like you're doing your normal stuff, but everything revolves around the vlog or it starts to really quickly. So taking little breaks here and there helps to not let it take over. I think doing what you've done now twice, doing kind of like bursts, like concentrated bursts of, of vlogging for a period of time is a smart way to do it. And I know for me, when I did vlogs um, before I really was doing Kinetika, it really taught me a lot. And I think a lot of people sometimes when they want to be a creator, a YouTuber, they watch all these tutorials and like read reviews and blah, blah, blah. But by actually just going out and making stuff, it's so incredible how much you learn and how much you can refine your skills by literally just doing it every day. Have you found that to be true for you? Yeah, I think there's like, there's two parts. One part is like the, the daily gratification you get in making something and posting it. Like it's, it's a good feeling, like finishing a video from start to finish and then also posting it. So these, these vlogs actually, I've been, I have an editor, but I've been filming and editing everything by myself. Nice. Uh, Matt, my editor's kind of been on like a learning binge right now. Nice. Um, and it's been super fun. Just like, I think I'm, I didn't realize how much I miss even just the, like, that's weird. Just like that last bit of like exporting a, a video and posting it. Mm -hmm. Usually Matt would export, do the final export and upload it. And then I would just like finish off the details. But that last little bit, it's like, it makes you feel like you've accomplished something. So, uh, yeah. so that's like a really cool part. But then I think the biggest thing I've learned is, is storytelling. And that's maybe not like the first thing that people would think about, but like you're literally, especially right now, I'm literally stuck at home every single day. And I think I've made, yeah. I think I've made 19 videos now, all at home every single day. It's essentially the same. There's no like, I'm traveling today or I'm meeting up with friends. It's yeah. literally me, Kai, my wife, 
Kai's my son, uh, and yeah, not, our home. Not Kai my, W. That's it. If anybody's confused. Yeah. Not <laughs> yeah. He's not, not hanging not out him. with you. Yeah. <laughs> He's not quarantining with us now. <laughs> it's your, uh, your son. Yeah, I think in a way, it's probably a, a refreshing and good thing for all creators to really pause. You know, we got no meetings, no travel, like you said. We're able to really think about what am I, who am I, what am I doing? What What type of stuff do I like? And shooting stuff in your home is in a way, having that limitation can make you really experiment and do even more creative things. I, I think a lot of times when you have uh, a barrier of some of some type or, or restrictions and you work within those restrictions, like staying home, you can get really creative because you don't have options to do whatever you want, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's like, that's the challenge every day. It's like, okay, what kind of story can I tell how do I make this different from yesterday? But also there's like this, there's this aspect that I really, like I think YouTube has kind of moved moved on from the, the vlogging era, the golden era of vlogging, uh, when people like mm. Casey Neistat were just like, just massively growing. Um, yeah. But I miss that, I miss that, especially when, when like crazy things like this, yeah. this, thing that's happening around the world is like, it's insane. We've never experienced something like this and we're all stuck at home and everybody's feeling lonely and like you're going through it all by yourself, but li we're literally, the whole world is going through the same thing. Um, and yeah. and uh, seeing vlogs, it's, it's, I always say it's, it's kind of, I mean, it's changed a little bit now with the Logan Pauls and that kind of stuff, but it's the realest form of reality TV there is. Of course, it's still edited and curated in some way, but but it is still yeah. way more real than you know primetime TV reality TV shows. Yeah. And seeing people and how they're dealing with it, and seeing just like their normal daily life, like people uh, like I've been showing uh, my son in the vlogs more, just because like. He just pops up every two seconds. There's not much I can do about it. If I'm doing a camera review, he just comes in and like, there's no point in me trying to fight him and be like, like go over there, like go, like he just, he wants to be around me. And so like, I got to deal with that. And yeah. so he's been in the vlogs a lot and people have been loving that. And they get to see like a different part of my life that they yeah. normally don't get to see. And I, it's cool. Mm -hmm. I like, I like, um, I like giving that that same feeling that I used to get from like a uh, Nolson or Casey Neistat vlog of like feeling like I uh, like I'm hanging out with somebody and I'm a part of this thing that's going on. Yeah, uh, I miss that, and so that's kind of the big reason why I started doing these little daily vlogs again. It's so cool, man. I I can't agree more. I love. Just the genre of YouTube, and I mean, your channel is not called Travel Fields anymore. It's called Maddie Apoya, and that's what it's about. It's about you and people connect with you and your personality. And for people who aren't familiar with your, you know, your journey on YouTube, can we talk about Travel Fields and kind of what you were doing with that, and then that that transition from that to then making your brand about you know with your name uh, on it instead. Yeah, like I, before I started doing YouTube, I started in 2017. And before I started doing that, I was, I was uh, freelancing. So I, you know, somehow ended up in the freelancing world of m making little commercials and stuff. And then it was starting to get like bigger. I was making good money already from it. And I was starting to shoot for bigger companies like Nike and San Pellegrino. And uh, it, it wasn't like the big Nike commercials yet or anything like that. But 
Already then I was realizing that the bigger this got, the less control I had over things. So like I would shoot something and it just, by the end of it, just didn't turn out the way that I would have wanted it to turn out. And mm -hmm. I didn't have, I didn't have the power to even say that like, Hey, this is, this is how I would have had it. You know, how, this is how I would have done things. Um, and then the other part of freelancing is that you're always waiting for somebody else to give you work. And I didn't like that feeling, especially as I was, mm -hmm. you know, thinking about buying a house and thinking about, you know, starting a family with kids and stuff like that. Like, I don't want that stress of not knowing, am I going to have any jobs next month? And that's literally how freelancing is a lot of times. So I started playing with passive incomes and I, I did some stock uh, footage, um, put it on film supply. And then I made a course about wedding films and uh, those were already doing, already doing pretty good without any audience. And then that's what kind of like, got me into thinking like, hey, I could actually like make my own brand essentially, make my own thing. And uh, the goal would be to not ever have to rely on somebody else to pay me or ask me to do something for them in order to get paid. Um, that I could make the videos that I wanna make and I could be self-sustaining essentially through passive incomes. Uh, and so 2017, I was like, all right, let's let's give this a go. And I started a channel called Travel Feels. And the idea was that it would be like a travel channel, but I don't want to travel all the time. So I'll do some tutorials uh, around travel filmmaking and photography to kind of, you know, fill the, fill in the gaps when I'm not, not traveling. Mm -hmm. And so I start, I made like a video about like, you know, I'm starting a YouTube channel. I'm going to start doing this full time sort of thing. And then my first tutorial was how to make GoPro look cinematic. And that was back when uh, you'd use GoPros on drones. And people yeah. always ask me like, how the heck, how does your GoPro footage look like that? Like it doesn't look like a GoPro. And so I was like, oh cool, I'll make a tutorial on that. And I think that's still to this day, my most viewed <laughs> video on my channel. <laughs> it just like, it didn't, it didn't take off right away. It took like a couple of weeks and then all of a sudden the algorithm picked it up and it just started yeah. popping and it was like, 15 subscribers a day, 30, 40, 50, 100, 200, 300 subs a day. Um, and yeah, I think it was like- Yeah, 1.5 million views on that video, by the way. Yeah, so uh, I think it was like after two or three months, I was literally full-time YouTube. I wasn't doing any more freelance work other than like a random wedding or something that I had booked from like a year and a half before or something like that. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with my strategy for YouTube. It's never, so my strategy was because I had this idea of like, I want to be, I never have to rely on other companies or people to give me work or to pay me. So I was yeah. like, okay, I need to maximize re my revenue streams, as many passive income streams as possible that are in, under my control as much as possible. That's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, stock footage, affiliate links, um, Amazon links. Uh, a little bit of AdSense, a little bit of brand deal, digital products, courses, just like anything and everything that I could try, merch, whatever. I'm going to try it out and see what works. And then because I think I'm a little bit more uh, logical brained, like uh, business minded rather than I, I don't I, I still don't feel like I'm in any way like an artist or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I focused on that side a lot. And I think that's probably the reason why I was able to go full-time YouTube so quickly within a couple months. 
obviously with some luck also of growth but do you miss uh the kind of like freelance lifestyle and doing gigs and stuff like that or have you totally just fallen in love with what you're doing now i miss a little bit of the getting to work with crews like mm -hmm. i don't get to do that as much in youtube world and i, I guess that's a little bit self-imposed i could definitely work with with crews more if i wanted to um but no, not at all. Like yeah. the the freedom I have nowadays, the, the point was that I would get to a, uh, a place where I could now self-fund the, the documentaries that I want to shoot or mm -hmm. use the connections that I have to fund them. Um, because I knew nobody was going to pay me to make my, my personal, you know, personal projects, the, the creative passion projects that I wanted to do. Nobody's going to pay me to do those. And if they did, they would warp it into some sort of ad for some company and that wouldn't be uh, true to the idea in the end. So I wanted to get to a place where I have my own brand that I can then use that to uh, shoot personal projects, shoot documentaries, uh, maybe like a series or a feature film. And now after I've been doing this for three years, three and a bit years now, I feel like I'm finally this year getting to a point where I'm like, okay, like I think I'm in a pretty good place I can actually start thinking about doing some bigger projects with mm -hmm. maybe even crews you know yeah I think that's so powerful and so cool and um you know people sometimes forget that this is a long-term career uh strategy that you you've built and you've built such a solid foundation now that you can continue to grow and experiment and do films and do whatever and because you've got that audience base in that foundation that you've built over the last three years um even if you throw out an experimental thing, like, I mean, in a way, doing the vlogs is a little experimental. It may work or it may not, but it doesn't matter because in a long-term, you know, viewpoint, if you look at your career over the next 20 years, um, you know, it's going to sustain itself and it'll continue to grow. So um, sometimes, you know, people can get caught up in the algorithm, the thumbnails, all that kind of stuff. And people forget that, you know, this is a long-term game that, you know, you've still got a, a lot of life left. And I think YouTube is going to continue to be relevant for a very long time. I do not see anything at all coming close to it. So, um, yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's one of the hardest things about YouTube is that it is the long game and people don't necessarily realize that. Mm. And then growth can happen really quickly all of a sudden. And so it feels like, mm. you know, it's a short game, but actually the hard part to me, the hardest part about YouTube so far has been once you have a little bit, bit of success, just keeping it going. And not and there's this like weird pressure. You start looking at numbers more and like one video will do worse. And then that affects your whole day and your mood. And you're like, ah, why am I even making these? And then, you know, like today's video is popping off and doing super well. And it's like, oh, like I'm on top of the world. <laughs> um, but I feel like that's the hard part is like ignoring those feelings and regardless if a video does bad or well, uh, you know, bad or good, uh, just continue to make videos on to the next mm -hmm. one. That's kind of me and not, if you know, Peter McKinnon, that's what we always say. Yeah. Like, we'll set a screenshot of like a video that just, just te doing terrible. <laughs> and then it's just like on to the next one. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I still, I don't think I know of a single YouTube channel that has consistently put out like decent good content and not kept growing. Like I think that that's one of those fears that 
because YouTube a lot of times in the beginning has this like quick growth spurt phase where like all of a sudden you go from like no following to having a fairly big following, it also feels like the opposite could happen someday. Mm -hmm. That no matter how big you get, all of a sudden one day, you know, something happens and you start <laughs> losing subs just as fast as it's, you know, just as fast as it came. And I don't, I, like everybody that I've talked to, I think still has that same kind of like fear in the back of their sure. minds, even though it's so irrational in the end, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the curse of being a creative, right? Is the, uh, <laughs> the, the internal struggle that we all deal with and I can totally relate. And I know a lot of listeners can relate to that too. Um, Peter McKinnon, how did you meet that guy? Uh, so Peter, I didn't know of him until I think it was like, I was around like 20 or 30 subs thousand subscribers and he was, he was really popping off already. I think he was like 200, yeah. 300. Peter's basically always 10 times better than me at anything. <laughs> we He's always 10 times better. <laughs> um, and then my, my now manager, actually Tyler, uh, this was before he worked for me. He's like, Oh, have you seen this guy, Peter? Like he's doing really similar stuff to you. And, and I was like, Oh, I hadn't heard of him. I had, like YouTube hadn't recommended him to me at all yet, which was surprising. But, um, so I checked out his channel. I was like, Oh, like that's super cool. He's doing really cool stuff. And he lives near me, same age, like look like very similar life, life situation. And so I just reached out to him and luckily it was like right before, you know, things got crazy big for him. Yeah. Um, so he actually saw my email and we ended up hanging out and we just, we got along super well. And then I had this little gig and, um, it was in Italy and Switzerland to go drive around, uh, Porsches with Olympus testing <laughs> yeah. out some new Olympus I camera. I remember seeing I was, that video actually. Yeah. It's a, I was like, Peter, uh, this is kind of weird. We just met, but like, do you want to go on this trip with me? And he's Ooh. like. I mean, can't pass that up. So then we ended up going on that trip and like, we just had such a good time, just got along super well. And uh, mm. yeah, the, the rest is history. That's where the, the relationship moment was formed yeah. during that trip. Yeah. Yep. I remember watching that video and like the, it has, the camera had like really good stabilization, but also yeah. it looks super wobbly and weird sometimes. And I remember yeah. watching your video because I was curious about it when the, when that camera came out and I was like, Ew, like those wide angle shots are super wobbly. <laughs> but I think that's with any IBIS still. Like we're They've, going uh, technical talk right now, but yeah, anytime, yeah. any camera that has IBIS, like whether it's a GH5 or even the, I just tested the Fujifilm X-T4. Like yeah. if you put on a really wide lens, it's going to be wobbly on the corners. Mm -hmm. The Well, the Olympus, ironically, EM1 Mark II now, they've done a firmware update that corrects it. And I, oh, shoot, really? on, yeah, I shoot on that camera primarily now because all my gear got stolen. That's another story. But um, <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. But, <laughs> I've seen your social media posts. That's crazy. <laughs> so like my two ESRs and my Nikon Z6 and like everything has been stolen. And I just oh, happened to only so have sorry to hear my that, Olympus. Man. So I'm like shooting primarily on it and it's been a nice kind of minimalistic life to only have one camera and one lens. And it's been, I've actually really enjoyed the simplicity of it, but I was surprised at how good it's gotten with the firmware updates. So that's literally how I would say 99% of my channel is one camera, one lens, at least for mm -hmm. the last like year, ever since the EOS R came out, I've literally, yeah. I used the one DX for a while, but then like, 
Von Derek has pretty bad. Yeah, it has pretty bad uh, dynamic range, and then um, oh, yeah. it's heavy, it's big, it's, and yeah. no flip LCD screen. And for me, for YouTube filmmaking, when you're filming yourself, a flip LCD screen is so important. Um, and the ESR, just the more I used it, the high bitrate, the codec, uh, it's just, it's a really, yeah. really nice camera. And, I, and it's, it's so funny how when it came out, I remember me and Peter both did videos on it. And I was like, I was, I was skeptical still, even when I tried it, Yeah. but after I used it for a bit, I was like, oh, this is, this is the camera that I like most right now. I enjoy yeah. using it and people could not believe it. Like everybody thought that we were just getting paid to say it. Like, I think still to this day, people think I'm paid by Canon or something, but yeah. it's just for my style of filmmaking, my style of videos right now for YouTube, uh, yeah. the EOS R is the best camera. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm hoping the R5 changes that, makes makes that the best camera, because I always <laughs> like, I get I get bored, uh, you know, of using the same camera, so I'm like, ah, I want to try something new. Yeah. But I just haven't found a camera that I enjoy as much as the ESR right now. And everybody that I know, you know, people mocked it and then they finally end up trying it and they're <laughs> yeah. they're sold and they love it. It's the funniest yeah. well, thing to watch. It's so funny how, like, like you said, when it first came out, and I was one of the haters on it, to be honest, um, because when you look at the specs and you compare it to at the time when the A7 III just came out, it was just eating its lunch. I mean, 4K full frame with IBIS and 4K crop, you know, mirrorless, it was cheaper. But over the last couple of years now, I guess it's been two years almost. Yep. Um, it's literally been like, yes, but the image looks better on the ESR. So even though the specs are better on a Sony, like at the end of the day, people are looking at an image. They're not looking at the specs on a piece of paper. They're looking at the image. Also... The, you know, I personally don't like the layout of the ESR. I wish there was like a dedicated white balance and ISO button on the top. And I, th I think the R5 yeah. is going to change that. Also, I hate that the microphone jack is in the way of the screen when it flips. So that's annoying. Yeah. And like, I never understood why they did that. Cause like the ADD had a great placement of the mic on it and stuff. And they, Anyways, I'm going, you and I are very similar. We, rev <laughs> we review cameras for a living. So <laughs> we, we probably yeah. shouldn't uh, go. No camera's perfect. Yeah, no no camera's perfect. perfect. But uh, it's exciting to see that it seems like Canon is listening and um, it seems like they're making some, some big changes, uh, you know, with, with the R5. So we will see. Knock on wood. We'll have to do another interview after you have the R5 for a while and see what you think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I'm still so skeptical because it's it's you know Canon has played Canon's been playing the you know the tr relying that their cameras are better instead of just looking at specs and like that worked I think that works in like the higher end cameras like when the C300 came out C300 Mark II I remember people were so underwhelmed by the C300 uh they were just like this is this is a joke like there's already like fs 700 well, yeah fs 700 did like you know 180 frames per second and all this and and, and then the, the uh, c3 i remember the red scarlet came out the day that the c300 came yeah out too. and the c300 literally only basically did 24 frames per second like that's that's it but <laughs> every you go to every like like mid-level lower level production everybody had a c300 they didn't have the you know the, yeah. the red or the the sony everybody had a c300 all the vice docs yeah. every everybody was like if it was documentary style 
it was C300 and just because oh, yeah. the image was so much nicer looking in the end. And so I think they tried to, they tried to do and that. Reliability was better. Yeah, they tried to do that also with the EOS R, but I think, no offense to the lower end camera people, like they just don't understand it the same. And I think that was, yeah. that was the big problem, especially when it came out. And then it just like, it literally takes you actually using it to start realizing like, oh, actually this is, this is a pretty good camera. Also now, I think that with the price now, it's more worth it. Yeah. I bought one during, I bought one during Christmas and it, I paid twelve ninety nine for it. That is the perfect price point. Like, Oh wow, that's cheap. Yeah. They did a, there was a holiday special on it uh, over Christmas. Um, and yeah, B and H was selling them for twenty uh, twelve ninety nine. So like twelve ninety nine, fifteen ninety nine. That's much better than the twenty five hundred that they were charging when it first came out. So yep, that's for sure. Um, anyways, we should probably get off cameras because people are either <laughs> people are either loving it or hating it. So it's a polarizing. Uh, everybody loves the camera talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. I mean, you started growing, uh, what, like three years ago and started seeing some, some explosion there and, you know, collaboration is, is key for any YouTubers growth strategy and collaborating with Peter and Chris Howe and like all the, all the amazing Canadians that you have access to out there. I mean, that's such a, it's a funny topic. Uh, a lot of American creators are like, what the heck is up with all these ridiculously <laughs> amazing canadians that just all happen to live next to each other <laughs> it's so funny um i mean and that's then, a uh, weird phenomenon also schiffer is out there too right um yep yep so i mean what it's so interesting how it's almost like the canadian youtubers created a genre in a way of this like you take you you guys took what casey Neistat was doing and like turned it into this amazing blend of high-end filmmaking, sexy B-roll with a review and a vlog and a tutorial. I mean, this was like two, three years ago. And I think in a way, YouTube will forever be changed. And w without that, we wouldn't have seen... I mean, Potato Jet in his own right has done an amazing job too, but he's taken that to his own uh, style and his own format, that, that kind of genre. Um, I think it's interesting to see... The ship, and then my friend uh, Joshio, we interviewed on the podcast from Make Art Now. He's doing like nar narrative filmmaking blended with reviews and stuff. It's so interesting to see the the change that's happening on YouTube because I feel like there was always just if you're doing a gear review, it's just like here's the specs, here's the B roll from the camera. I'm gonna film a chart and I'm gonna like show you some examples and then that's it. And it's just like straight to the point. If you go outside of the point, you get comments that are like, will you just tell me what, you know, yeah. just give me the specs. I don't want to see all this like yeah. vlog stuff, yeah. you know, like how, how have you been able to blend the personality and the storytelling with a review? Because from the title, you're, you're hooking people in with, you know, uh, XT4, review or whatever but the actual the actual review itself is only maybe half of the content whereas the other half is this narrative vlog kind of personality stuff yeah you know it's a new genre in its own way yeah i think like i i for sure was massively influenced by people like casey neistat he's probably the biggest influence in the youtube world for me um he was really what in the end like made me realize like oh 
like YouTube actually has some like really cool content. It's not just Charlie bit my finger on here. Um, <laughs> and so I watched his vlogs for a while and I, I, I loved the, the feeling that I got from them and the storytelling that he was doing. And then I think m people like me and Peter, uh, we hit this like perfect wave where tutorials were just like very cut and dry, like here's the new Canon EOS RP, like these are the specs, uh, this blah, 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 you know, like just straight to the point, but like you really had no idea who this person was, why, you know, why are they talking about this camera? What's their life? Like, you know, nothing about them. And so we kind of took that mix of adding more personality in our lives and then also having, uh, I, don't, I don't mean to sound arrogant, but having some skill to actually use the, the equipment also and make cool yeah. videos and make cinematic stuff. Um, I think that blend was like a new thing that we just hit this perfect wave of like, nobody is doing this yet. And now obviously like everybody's doing, doing what we're doing. And uh, it's funny now, now for me, that kind of makes me also want to do more things like vlogging because nobody can vlog like I vlog because my life is unique to me. And so the more I, I show my unique, and I'm not saying my life is any better or worse, but it's unique to me. The more I can show that uniqueness, yeah, exactly. the more different I am from everybody else. And now, now I, I almost get like, I almost get, well, I, I'm definitely bored of tutorials. Like I don't watch anybody else's tutorials. Whereas before I would watch, you know, all of Peter's tutorials and all of, uh, you know, everybody's tutorials. I would watch them because I was like, oh, this is cool. And now I'm just like super bored of them because it kind of, it kind of feels like all the tutorials have been done. But if somebody does vlogs, for example, uh, Potato Jet, Gene, good friend of mine, he started his like separate vlog channel. And I actually like his vlog channel more than his main channel because it's more like his normal life. I get to see what's going on. It's like little updates on his life. And I don't get to see that all the time because he lives in LA. So we only get to hang out every once in a while. But now I'm getting this like totally different look into his life. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting how things evolve. It is right, and I mean, gosh, he's ha he's splitting two channels, that, and he's already uh, working like crazy. That's nuts that he did that. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think if you, it comes down to again, like if you want to be a YouTuber in air quotes, you can listen to um, people like uh, Daryl Eaves, uh, Think Media. You can um, Roberto Blake, and follow the rules of YouTube and like grow and work on your thumbnails and titles and like be extremely strategic about it. I mean, Mr. Beast is the perfect example. He followed all, yeah. like he, he's, he's like a genius and just studies the algorithm and he found yeah. what worked and now he's, you know, racking in millions and millions and millions and millions of views. But you, Peter, myself, Casey, Potato Jet, we're like, we're artists. Like I don't really care at the end of the day, an artist's job is to make art and to create art and do things that I want to do. That is the whole point of being an artist is to express yourself. And I think it's important for people to remember, especially people who are listening to this, like it, yes, you want to do the right things on YouTube so that you can make a living. But at the end of the day, if, if you're going to have a smaller audience, but you're actually fulfilled in doing what you, you actually love, then do that. Like at the end of the day, it's a long journey and you want to be creatively fulfilled is that 
Do you are you, do you resonate with that? It's funny because like I I totally understand where you're coming from, but like I said earlier, I don't feel like an artist at all. I don't like I don't have this like <laughs> okay. like yeah I, I I get like um I get creative gratification or fulfillment out of making videos and posting them and people commenting on stuff like that. But I don't have this like I need to make art kind of like thing. <laughs> I like I, I yeah. I'm so like I hated art class in high school and like English was the worst class. Anything that was subjective, anywhere, anything that the teacher could decide whether this was good or not, I hated. I liked sciences, math, <laughs> anything that like if I knew my stuff, I'm good, you know. Yeah. And so for me, it's more of a instead of I want to create art. For me, it's more like. I want to I want to share a feeling. I want to express a, a point or a thing about something. Like, if I can make somebody smile or just you know be in a good mood or just like just mm -hmm. brighten up their day a little bit. If I can spread some positivity, whether it's through yeah. a, a tutorial or a camera review or just a vlog with my kid, like that is way more valuable to me. And I, I think that's that's the thing I love most about. <laughs> people like Casey Neistat is like he was yeah. literally inspiring millions and millions of people not just every day to like oh like I'm gonna I'm gonna hustle today you know like I feel inspired but like also actually inspiring people to you know go at their dreams and and all that kind of stuff so I think for me yeah. that's more of a, dri a drive for me than than that like well, I need to make art well I will maybe the word art is throwing you off because the definition of Maybe. art is i just looked it up something that is created with imagination and skill that is beautiful or that expresses important ideas or feelings that is the definition yeah. of art so a vlog to you might not feel like art like going to art school but it is like you're expressing yourself through your skills and talents so. yeah I, I guess it's the i think a lot of people um it's the, it's the, what's the, how do you say it? It's like the, it's the Vimeo, it's, the it's Vimeo the, staff pick, uh, lifestyle, right. Of well, like trying to make sexy, edgy, uh, yeah. artistic films, you know, and being kind of pretentious about it. So, so for me, it's, it's kind of like the, the, which goes first, which is more important. Like, and so I'm thinking about the idea or the topic first, and then yeah. I let my creativity like, okay, like, oh, this is a cool way of telling the story. Whereas I think yeah. a lot of like true artists, and there's nothing wrong with this. It's just not my how my brain works. Um, a lot of the true artists are like, I have this like crazy vision to do this cool thing, um, and I just don't. Yeah. My brain doesn't work like that. Like I, I have an idea of like, yeah. oh, I want to compare these two cameras, or or I want to talk about the you know I posted a video about the Canon RP today. Like I want to talk about like. Is it the the most underrated camera of 2020? Because it's been on my mind for so long, and so that's just like an idea yeah. I had. Um, and then there's all these small little like little mini stories within that one topic uh, yeah. that like that get me pumped. You know, when there's like a funny what, what I think is funny or like a thing that that makes me smile even watching it back. Like I get pumped yeah. on that stuff. Well, I mean, you did do uh these these films you know you did potato jet um jesse driftwood i don't know what you got in the work was supposed to do becky and chris except uh you know the world is all crazy right now how, how have you enjoyed doing those has that been a nice creative outlet for you do you 
Do you like doing those? Yeah, I love, I, I've always loved and been fascinated with documentaries and maybe that's why I like vlog vlogging also because it's like essentially, it's not just, vlogging isn't one video, it's the compilation of all the videos that creates this documentary. That's kind of how I see it in my mind. Um, and so I, I've always loved documentaries and that's why I started the Being series, like showing the the actual what it's like being uh, a YouTuber or social media person and maybe it'll branch into other areas. But I think yeah. people have such a different view of what it's like to be somebody else. And so I just wanted to show a little bit of like, what what is it actually like? Because I think everybody everybody like idolizes somebody and I wish I could be that person. I wish I could be in their situation. doesn't matter what your situation, you, people are always looking at other people wishing like I could be there. And then when you actually see, you know, what it's like, it's not as easy as you think and they don't have it all figured out and they're not perfect in any way. Um, and so like, I kind of wanted to show a little bit of that because I know my life, I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, I wish I could be, I wish I could be a YouTuber like Maddie. And then they don't see all the hard work and the hard things that come with it. And um, and so I guess, again, it's like, I wanted to show that, that aspect. And then the Being series was just like a perfect way of doing it in my mind, like a raw documentary. I'm briefly interrupting this podcast with Maddie to tell you about the Light Chaser Pro mobile filter system for the iPhone 11 and Galaxy S20 Ultra. The iPhone 11 Pro and Galaxy S20 Ultra systems are changing the game in mobile content creation. The cameras on these flagship phones are seriously getting to the level of professional cameras. If you want to push the boundaries of what a mobile phone can accomplish, then you need to check out the Light Chaser system. The complete creative system is built specifically for mobile filmmakers and photographers to deliver shots never before possible on mobile devices by controlling unwanted light before it enters your lens with our mobile optimized variable neutral density filter and circular polarizer. With the VND filter on your phone, you can now get the cinematic looking shots you always wanted with the device in your pocket with ease. In addition to a filter system for your phone, you also get a rugged case and adjustable hand grip making hand holding your phone much more natural and more like a real camera. The grip also includes a quarter 20 thread on it so you can use your phone on tripods, gimbals, and whatever else you want to mount your phone onto. To learn more about the Light Chaser Pro mobile filter system, check it out on our website at PolarPro. Com. All right, now let's get back to the show. So um, when it comes to making your videos, you mentioned a little bit of how your mind works. Do you script things? Do you have like a, a notes doc? I'm just always fascinated with like every creator's uh, kind of workflow. Can you go through like how you approach a video yes and what your process is so for me it just like that's that it's that logical brain i feel like i need some sort of outline so literally i think pretty much every single video i've ever made on my channel maybe minus like one or two has had some sort of like game plan like this is the idea that i want to talk about or this is the camera i'm going to review um and then i'll write I'll kind of like come up with like what's what's like the main thing and then I'll come up with points that that tell that main thing or that that show that main thing. So I might I might script out or like bullet point like a intro, some some of the main points and then like an outro or something like that. But that's like a really rough outline and how I do it is 
I know as long as I cover those points at some point in the video, I know I have a cohesive good video that like if, to me it's always if, if somebody watches the video and then I ask them what was that video about and if they can answer with kind of the answer that I like the topic that I had in mind, then I've I, then uh, in that case I've succeeded. If they if they don't know what the video is about, then I've I've lost and they've just kind of like maybe they got entertained but they didn't really get much out of it. So I, I so I have that outline and then as as things happen throughout the day, I'll just like I'll keep that that idea in my mind. But I'll kind of like if if something happens with like uh, you know I'm on a run and I see something uh, like that fits the the topic perfectly I'll film that if it if it has nothing to do with anything or, or maybe it's just a little bit entertaining I might film it but if it has nothing to do with anything then I'm like the topic then I'm not gonna film it um, so it kind of gives me it gives me like a box to work within. Uh, giving me a little bit of structure, but I still keep it pretty free flow. And how many, when you're not doing vlogs, what is your kind of standard upload schedule? Do you do two a week or one a week or? Yeah, usually I think it averages around two, uh, anywhere between one and three, I think it, when I haven't been doing these little daily vlogs. Yeah. And what's your workflow look like now that you have uh, Matt? as your editor? So usually it's been, uh, I come up with an idea, I film it, Matt might help me with some of the filming, uh, and then I'll hand the footage to Matt, explain the idea, and then he'll, well usually my my videos, literally anybody could edit them because, because I have that structure. Uh, it's pretty mm -hmm. clear what the idea is, you don't need to, pretty much everything I shoot goes into the video, pretty much. I'd say like 97%. Yeah. Is it pretty linear? Yeah, pretty linear most of the time. Yeah, it's it's more rare that I'm like splicing things around or like filming a bit one day and then filming another bit the next day. I try to finish a, a video every single day, just like it makes my brain feel good. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's how I work. And then yeah, so then Matt Matt will edit, and then I'll I'll take a look at what he's done, and then we'll review, make changes. I might do some of the editing just because like pacing and timing and things like that are really hard to explain sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, sometimes I just need to like, I need to play around with it to see like what, like this doesn't feel right and I'm not sure exactly why. And so like, I just need to play around with it a little bit to figure it out. Uh, and then, yeah, he'll export it, upload it, and then I'll just put in the details of the video, make the thumbnail and all that. And then we post. Do you play around with titles and thumbnails? Do you really, you know, experiment with that a lot or is it? Uh, so that's like one of the one of the things that frustrates me a little bit about YouTube right now. It's like it's very YouTube is 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 very much favoring um, click through rate. So that's like when a video gets suggested, the title and thumbnail. If 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 people are clicking on that video or not, yeah, based on the title and thumbnail, obviously. Um, and so like if if your video gets suggested to a hundred people and 20 of those people click on it that's a pretty high click click through rate and you're going to get high views on that video um and so i try not to think about it too much because if mm -hmm. you think about it too much you're always going to go the, the route of clickbaiting people more more so and clickbait isn't bad but then it easily crosses the line of like you're just you're just lying <laughs> like it's not what you're actually talking yeah. about or you're 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 embellishing in a in a and I don't like that. I wish I could just call the video what it is. Yeah. But YouTube doesn't fit. That's and that's why somebody like 
somebody like Mr. Beast thrives right now because every single video idea is essentially just taking any little idea and making taking it to the point that it's interesting. So like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, like last person to let go of this coffee cup gets the coffee. Like mm -hmm. nobody cares about that. Last person to let go of this hundred dollar bill gets the hundred dollar bill. Maybe, maybe some people care about that. Last person to let go of a million dollars. Everybody gets, the, everybody like, it's like, I need to find out how this, yeah. like, what <laughs> happens, who gets it. Like, yeah. no matter who it is, you see that title and thumbnail and you're, you're at least curious. Like you have to fight yourself not to click on it. <laughs> and so Mr. Beast just takes any idea to that point. Yeah. But there's very little storytelling. There's very, like, I think Mr. Beast is awesome. He does a great job. Job, mm -hmm. but there's very little storytelling there's very little like there's definitely positivity and makes you laugh and all that stuff but it's it's kind of ba really basic in storyline yeah and so that's the one part of about youtube that kind of i guess annoys me i actually just tweeted about that today that like i wish i wish youtube the algorithm didn't favor it as much because in the end that just leads to more clickbait titles and thumbnails yeah Instead of like the the good old days of like, you know, somebody like Casey Neistat would post a video and it would just be like, just some random title of like, you know, uh, she's bad at this. And it's like, I have no idea what that is, but like, I like Casey's videos and yeah. it's getting suggested to me. So I'm going to watch it. Well, yeah, when, uh, when you get to that size, now with, it, I mean, David Dobrik, any video that he posts, I watch it, you know, so yeah, if you're at that yeah. level um, and you're, you're definitely there for sure for the core audience they're going to just watch everything you make but um but it, it makes a massive difference like if my click-through rate uh, let's say i don't know what that numbers are exactly but let's say it averages uh 10 mm -hmm. let's say um and then one video gets a six percent click-through rate so like the title and thumbnail just weren't as appetizing yeah. that video might only right now when i'm doing these daily vlogs the views are a little bit lower because i'm posting every day um sounds counterintuitive in some ways, but that's how it is right now with YouTube. Um, that video might get 30,000 views. And then mm -hmm. today I looked and like the click-through rate was much higher or like a few percent higher than what it normally is. And the video is getting 40, 44 or 45% more views yeah. than it normally does. And so that's, that's purely based on the fact that the title and thumbnail were more more, more uh enticing in a way and also it's not it, because they like my content like it's not based on that but it's also more in line with your niche or the the majority of your followers are interested in camera gear and the title is most underrated camera of 2020 so more of your audience is just going to be naturally more uh more attracted to that versus something else you know that's not related to cameras potentially but it, but if I if the same video if I called it for example um, so right now that the the title is most underrated camera of 2020 yeah. question mark yeah and then um, I, it's my face so people can recognize me and then I'm holding a camera but it's covered with like a a circle and a question mark yeah um, if I had just held up the EOS RP which is what the video is about and said EOS RP review. Yeah. That same video, same topic, same like Nothing would else. get much less yeah, right. much less views just because people wouldn't wouldn't be as enticed to click on that video. Totally. 
Um, so, so they're having to click on the video to find out what the camera that I'm talking about is, what camera I'm talking about that's underrated. And so just that fact now yeah. gets them, gets me a higher click through and that means I get more views. And so it's not, it's not just the topic sure. um, that, that, that decides. And so, I mean, there's no right answer before like the YouTube algorithm would heavily favor any video that has a lot of views. That was like the Charlie bit my finger days. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, okay, how do we like, how do we, how do we distinguish what's a good video? And so they're like, oh, well watch time. Like if people are watching a video for a long time, it must be good. And so then that's when like every channel started making uh, a vlog channel and that vlog channel got bigger than their main channel <laughs> just because the videos were easy to make long yeah. and the watch times would be high because of that. Watch times, like, I think they average probably between 40 and 60% normally. So like if your video is 10, 10 minutes versus three minutes, well, that 40 to 60% is gonna be way long, way lo more watch time on the 10 minute video. And so that kind of broke the algorithm. And then now they've kind of gone into this click through, uh, maybe looking at a little bit more of like a, all, all the stats, but it's definitely heavily, heavily favoring the, the click through, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, a living, breathing beast that is ever changing. And uh, that's just the nature of it, right? I guess so. You're totally right about yeah. that. And it can be frustrating to be on top of it, but you're doing a great job. and. Yeah, I mean, it can be daunting for people who are starting out because you, you might not, you might know how to make good videos, but you have to learn all this stuff. It's a completely different thing to learn. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's the like the main thing is to essentially just ignore all of it. Like, try to try to play the game a little bit, and and more importantly, just try to make great content. Um, but in the end, not not going with the feelings. And when a video does bad or does well, like not thinking about that too much, because it the the what usually happens is people will dictate their content based on what does well in views, and that might that might work in the short term, but it might not actually be that good for you long term for a few different reasons. Like a, if you do your hero videos that that get the most views every single day. Well, then those just get boring, right? Yeah. Like eventually it's not, it's not special anymore. And then B, most likely you don't like making that same type of video all the time. And now you've kind of pigeonholed yourself to only be that person that makes these kinds of videos. Mm -hmm. And now you don't like making them anymore. You're super bored of it. Um, and so like in the long term, like you're saying, we're going to be doing this for 20, 30 years. We're, we're going to be working for a long time. And so like, if you, yeah, it, in the short term, it might might look like this is this is the way I should go, but then in the long term, you're actually hurting yourself. What are some challenges you think the next generation of creators are gonna are gonna be facing? Who some challenges? Uh, I mean, I think I, I I definitely don't think it's too late for anybody to start, mm. but I think it's becoming more and more saturated all the time. Uh, more and more people are wanting to be YouTubers and Instagrammers and stuff. And so like, that's one thing, but I think, I think probably the, the bigger, bigger struggle is the, the lack of control. Anybody who's done social media, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or whatever for a longer, longer period of time is frustrated by the fact that the platform will change and 
it can easily kind of leave you behind or it'll force you to change with it even though you don't want to change in that direction. And so like Instagram, you know, I know a lot of Instagrammers used to grow tons and then now they're just losing followers and no matter how many times they post or whatever they do, it's not helping. Um, you know, same, same with YouTube. Some people have, uh, you know, started out one way and one video pops off, but uh, that's not necessarily the direction they want to go. And so then they try to make some different kind of content and then that ends up hurting them. Or, you know, like, like vloggers, I don't think any vlogger is doing as well anymore just because, you know, the algorithm changed. And so that can, that can affect people right away. Yeah. So it's, it's that lack of control because in the end you don't own, you might own your channel, but you don't own YouTube or Instagram or whatever you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it is getting more saturated, but like you said earlier, there's only one you and there's only one person with your yep. perspective. So even if you are doing the same thing that every other person is doing, you can do it differently than everyone because it's, it's you and nobody, nobody's like you. Yeah. So. Um, yep. so we got, we're to finish this out. We got some AMA, uh, questions on Twitter that I, I, um, I reached out on Twitter and you and I both are totally Twitter fans. I can't stand anything else. And I barely go on Instagram because I'm such a Twitter guy, but, um, I know you're probably more into Instagram than me, but I just, I can't. Nah, no, I'm full on Twitter. I don't like Instagram much at all. Other than stories. I think, I think Instagram is so boring. Yeah, you just kind of have to do it. Like I've thought about deleting my Instagram to be honest, but it's like I, I'm on the internet. I have to have it. But um, I don't like posting on Instagram too much, like photos and stuff like that. But I, I like doing stories because they're almost like mini vlogs or mini little bits. And so, like I like yeah. doing stories. So I just use it in the way that I enjoy using it. Again, yeah. I'm sure I could have way more followers if I was posting more often and stuff like that. But yeah. <laughs> I just I just don't care. Like again, it's short term versus long term. I want to enjoy. I want to enjoy what I'm doing versus like well, you, just trying to grow the fastest that I can. But you have like literally three times as many followers on Instagram as Twitter, and yet. <laughs> Twitter's like where your heart is, right? I, it's yeah. the same for me, but anyways, it doesn't matter. I love Twitter. Um, all right, so we got a question uh, from Jake on Twitter. Would he ever move to the States? <laughs> uh, probably not. Like, I don't think, I don't think Americans realize, like I'm from, so I was born in Finland and then I live in Canada. So I've lived half my life in Finland, half in Canada. Um, Canada, we have free healthcare. We have, you know, unemployment insurance. You're like, you're covered. Like it's, it's pretty, it's a super safe place to live. No matter, even, even in Toronto, it's like, it's the biggest city in Canada and I could go anywhere in Toronto and feel totally safe. Um, and then Finland is even more extreme in that, like, you have free university, free daycare for your kids, free health care, uh, like, you're, you're seriously covered. And so, like, instead of your taxes going to who knows what, uh, you actually get some yeah. benef benefits from your taxes. Uh, maybe they're a little bit higher, but to me, it just makes sense, like, when you're... when you're making money, you pay a little bit more, and when you don't have money, like, when you're in school, well, then you shouldn't be paying a ton of money. Um, yeah. So, so just having that background, like living in America in a lot of ways scares the crap out of me. So, like, 
So at Spencer Hart asks, what's been his most fulfilling project he's ever worked on? The most fulfilling. Oh, that's a tough one. I think I still don't have like, I don't probably a lot of people think like this. I feel like I don't have that one project project that I can just like, that I can point to and be like, that's the thing that was like the best. Um, one of the, sure. pro, uh, I did a little documentary with my, or it was my friend's documentary in, in uh, Dominican Republic on this. Um, essentially mm-hmm. there, they don't have like a, like an ambulance service for the locals. So like if somebody gets in a car accident, there's no ambulance coming to pick you up. And so there's these like volunteer people who, who do it. And most of them were like 17, 18 year old kids, like young kids doing this crazy work. And so that was like, that was really inspiring. But, uh, on my YouTube channel, I probably, the being series is probably like the most fulfilling for me. It's a ton of work, but. I really like the outcome. Yeah. Well, to, to end this out, I'd love for you to just leave our listeners with kind of just your last uh, thoughts, inspiration, uh, words of wisdom. Like if somebody is starting out, they want to be doing what you're doing. You know, what is this is kind of the default question. But I think from your experience, people can learn a lot from that. What's kind of your your message to the world, if you will, to, to kind of be a creative, a creator on YouTube? stop listening to me right now pick up your camera and learn make repeat like that's my thing just learn stuff make stuff keep repeating that that over and over again as long as you're taking like one step forward at a time like you, you, i would have never imagined that this is where i would be in in you know five years from now i, would have, I could have never imagined that this is what i would what i would be doing but um, yeah, you just take that one step at a time forwards, learn, make, repeat, and uh, crazy things can happen. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Maya Poya, not the serial killer, the YouTuber. <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure interviewing you, and I really appreciate uh, taking your time to talk to us today. Yeah, it's super nice talking to you, man. Yeah, man. Have a good one. Thanks a lot. All right. See ya. See ya. I hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Maddie Hapoya. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on your social media. Screenshot your phone and post about it on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, whatever you want to help get the word out about this show. We love having amazing guests on like Maddie, and we have another amazing guest next week, Caleb Pike from DSLR Video Shooter. So make sure to subscribe to the Golden Hour Podcast in Apple Podcasts now to be notified when the next show goes live. If you don't subscribe to Maddie's YouTube channel yet, then I highly recommend it to you all, and I think you can learn a lot from it. Go find him on YouTube by just searching his name. Thank you all again for listening to the Golden Hour Podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Dave Mays, and we'll see you next week with Caleb Pike. Bye.